We cut it off right there. Is that, <clears throat> you're welcome. Uh, that's, that's one of my favorite scenes when he's got all the, you know, the whole day planned out on the Etch-A-Sketch and then he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, it, it's fine. You know, all he cared about, even though he loved Christmas, all the trappings that come with that, is he just wanted to be able to spend some time with his dad. And if I really think about all the Christmas traditions that I really love and enjoy and appreciate and love to take part in when it comes to this time of the year, the thing that I really want to do most of all is spend time with the people uh, I love. There's only really one person that I snuggle, um, but uh, I, I enjoy that too. That's, that's amazing. You take away the presence and the... F- that was, is that a slow burn there? That was a slow burn. All right. That's, that's cool. I see how... Uh, okay. Um, you take the presents and the food and the treats away, and I really care about the relationships. And I know many of us right now, like some of us are already on the road uh, that are part of our, our church. Some of us are planning to go on the road. We make plans to go out of our way to see people that we love, for the, for the most part, right, when it comes to our family and the people that we, we want to be around. Sometimes, yes, it might be nice to just stay at home and not have to be around uh, anybody else. Some of us might be doing that this Christmas and really looking forward to that. But for the most part, we, we think about that experience that we love to have, or at least we know we could have when it comes to this time of, uh, time of the year, even if we have bittersweet memories uh, that we come across and, and are part of that. There are a couple ways that um, we like to experience that together as a church. We come together and we worship every, every Sunday morning. One of the things that we've done kind of unique for this entire month is we've had one service at 10 a.m. And one of the things that's happened over the last few weeks is uh, actually a lot of uh, extremely positive uh, feedback that people have given about that. Hopefully you feel positive about that as well, gathering together. And so one of the things that we talked about this week is like, hey, why don't we just keep doing this uh, over the next, like into 2020? And so we're actually going to do that. We're going to, we've enjoyed being together. All right. Cool. All right. That, that went well. All right. <clears throat> we've enjoyed being able to do that. And I know sometimes there's some parking challenges or that person's in my seat challenges, uh, but we've got, <laughs> we've got parallel parking around the building. We've got parallel parking up Barony Crescent. It's really convenient uh, to be able to park and, and be there as well. And so we're going we're gonna to keep enjoying that into uh, the new year here at the beginning of the year. So we're looking forward to that. The other thing that we wanted to do too is we said, hey, this is ugly Christmas sweater uh, Sunday or pajamas, Christmas pajamas Sunday. And uh, one of the things that we've kind of secretly done uh, with a, a group of, of uh, two judges, we've been looking to see uh, how creative we've been this morning. And there's some, there's some pretty impressive things, like we've got Christmas story bunny suit going on. So Dominic, well, well done. We've got some families that have gotten into it. But there's one thing that stuck out to us that is, is the most unique thing here in this room, <clears throat> and that's, that's Johnny Scott back there. And I just gotta say, Johnny, do you mind like standing up so they can see? <clears throat> and I mean, if he had just gone with the jacket, right? But the hat, like that's, that's legit. And we actually have a grand prize this morning. So Johnny, I have two tickets to uh, Kings Dominion Winter Fest, Fest for you. And um, so, I'm not going to make you come down and get it, but make sure you see me after the service uh, for that. So you can, what's that? Make him walk down. The walk of, I, I can't tell his reaction right now. Just stand up straight. <laughs> I don't, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Well done, Helen. Well done, Helen. 
And, and there's actually one, thing, one more thing I need to say before I get into the message. Um, every once in a while, I will say something in a sermon that I, you know, I kind of think, I was like, oh man, I wish I had said that a little bit differently. Um, sometimes they've even said things like I've had a uh, scripture reference that is off by a number or something like that. And uh, somehow I didn't you know, catch that in my editing process. Well, last Sunday I said something that was just completely wrong. And so every once in a while, I need to kind of retract some things. And I want to apologize because I know you guys want to be able to trust me in the things that I say. Last week, <clears throat> and this is pretty egregious, uh, I said that C.S. Lewis wrote Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon, as soon as I got down, Renee had already sent me a text. And she said, you know what you did, which I'm really proud of that, by the way. Um, so I want to apologize to Gerald Tolkien. Um, and to everyone else. Uh, what made it worse is for those of you that were here, uh, I said, I'm a geek right before I said that. <laughs> so I just recognized that I've probably lost all credibility uh, for all of you for anything I'm about to say. So I just want to apologize for that. No perfect people allowed. I'm thankful about that. Uh, when it comes to Christmas, there are just certain people that we want to be with. For example, I know that some of us are hoping that a certain jolly a red-suited fellow comes and visits your house and is with you on Christmas Eve at some point. Um, but even that is kind of, kind of interesting and a little bit creepy, if, if you really think about it. Like the whole Santa Claus is coming to town lyrics. Like I've never seen a movie that's really dealt with this in a satisfactory way. Uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Here's the part that really gets me. Have we really thought this through and dealt with this? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. It's like, what, what is going on there? It's like, that's, that sounds a little bit intense. And I think when we, you know, when we think about that, sometimes I even think the way we think, hey, we, we want God to be with us. Sometimes we think God is kind of like Santa Claus. It's like he's watching you when you're sleeping. Like, this is a really creepy thing. He knows when you're awake and he's waiting to catch you, you know, so he can give you a cold for Christmas or, or that kind of thing. What, uh, you know, this is sometimes I think how people think God operates. And one of the things that's the most important part about Christmas is that God says, through Jesus' birth, hey, I'm going to be with you. That my creation, the people that I've made in my image, I, I love you so much, regardless of all the things that have happened in the past, I want to be with you. And the greatest expression of that love is going to be that I'm going to send Jesus Christ to live with and among you uh, in life. All of us at some point have desired God to be with us. I mean, you've prayed that prayer, God be with me. Maybe you're getting ready to go on that road trip. God be with me and help me not to, you know, pull over and spank the kids, you know, or help them to actually, like, not be terrible with each other. God be with us as we go Black Friday shopping. Help us not to be trampled, you know, by the people that are out there. God be with me as I go out on this blind date. Um, I pray they're not a crazy person. God be with me as I'm about to take this test. I have not studied, so please show up and make it happen to me. Whatever, whatever it is, at some point in our lives, we've probably asked God to be with us. And what does it really mean for God to be with us? Like, did Jesus come down and just to see who's naughty or nice? You know, you better be good for goodness sake. Is, is that really what his purpose was? Or is there some deeper meaning, more important thing that was happening? Because when we read that part of the story, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, as we read the text this morning, 
as we read that part of the story, the, the audience uh, that Matthew in particular is writing to is writing to a, Jew, a Jewish audience, and we get to see and experience that, that same kind of sense and feeling. They're waiting for God to send the Messiah. They're waiting for God to be with them in this way. It doesn't come in the way that they expect, but they're looking forward to this happening in their lives, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, here's how Matthew records um, this event. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now this is the announcement, this is the proclamation that the nation of Israel had been waiting to hear breathlessly. For the last 400 years, God had been silent. And Matthew makes this announcement. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what it's all about, is that God came down to be with us. He quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which was written 740 years before all of these events happened. This is something that was prophesied. This is something people were excited about. And what it, what it actually means, though, for, for us is something more meaningful than just kind of celebrating this thing that happened in the past that we kind of hold on to as something that maybe we can have joy and hope and trust and faith in God in this time of the year. With Jesus' birth, God was literally and figuratively, figuratively with us. And he continues to be so because of what Jesus did. And this was earth-shattering news. Everybody listening or reading this would have known throughout the Old Testament that it said God is too holy. You can't even look upon him in his purest essence and live. They would have known the story about Moses and how God had to, when he passed by Moses, Moses had to hide his face because he couldn't handle the glory of God. In fact, when Moses came down off the mountain, his, his whole face was glowing because he had been that close to God's presence. They would have known that when God dwelt in the temple, that nobody was allowed in to the holiest of holies where God's presence dwelt, except for the high priest who was only allowed in there once a year. And they tied a rope around his ankle because if he wasn't how he needed to be when he went in, he would die and they'd have to drag him out. God is just that glorious, that big, that holy, and that seemingly distance, distant to the people. And yet suddenly Matthew says, God is with us. And maybe this is the thing that made the shepherds stop and quake and run back into the fields rejoicing. Maybe this is what made the wise men come and stop and bow down and give their gifts and worship Jesus. It was this fact and this fact alone that God is not distant, that he's not far off, uh, that he is not an uninvolved God, that he is here and his presence is with us. God is not someone who just watches over us, but that God is someone who comes alongside of us. The creator and sustainer of the universe is a relational God who stripped himself of his glory and his deity and became like us in the form of a baby who is all God and yet all man without sin, and he dwelt among us to be with us. 
In John chapter 1, verse 14, John describes it like this. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is meant to be the ultimate expression of God's love for us, the good news. But I understand, like, for all of us, depending on what's going on in our life and what we, where we are in our relationship with God, it doesn't necessarily always feel that way. This idea that God is with us, Emmanuel, is not something that's always ever present in the forefront of our thinking. Uh, some of you, I, like, and I understand it, you're, maybe you're new, this is your first time here, you're with a family member, something like that. Maybe you don't, I'm not even convinced that you believe in God. And so, of course, you're not sure that he's actually with you at all. You're not sure based on some of the experiences that you've had, and maybe uh, in particular with some of his followers that say that God is with them. And, and you're not sure that you even want him with you, and I understand that's where you are right now. Some of us were Christians, and yet when we say God is with us, it's one of those things, I'm not sure that I've felt that lately or recently, because I don't feel him right now. There's no goosebumps. There's no tingly, like warm feeling or sensation um, in, in my life. And so I'm not even sure that he is there because I don't feel him right now. Is he actually with me? Some of us, we're in a really difficult spot right now. Christmas maybe just seems to amplify that. And so this idea that God is with us maybe doesn't seem all that comforting. And some of you, maybe you're facing an empty chair this year, someone that you wish was going to be there. And maybe that's more at the forefront of your thinking the person who's not with you that you wish was, um, and maybe that helps you, doesn't allow you, or is an obstacle for you to experience God's presence. Um, Maybe there's that relational tension that you have. Maybe you're not really looking forward to being with the people that you're traveling to go see this week. Things aren't right. Uh, Maybe it's a bad news about some health issue, and you kind of ask yourself, I don't really see where God is in this. I don't feel God, I don't see God, and if God is there, why is this happening? Is he really with me? And some of us, if we're really honest, we'd say, there are too many things that I've done in my life that I know for a fact there's no way God would actually want to have his presence near me. Maybe it's hard to believe. One of the things that's really interesting and intriguing to me is that when Matthew quotes and refers to, or the angel refers to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, is that the first fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 is actually kind of has a negative connotation. And here's what I mean by that. When this, uh, in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, when the young woman who uh, gave birth to a son and named him Emmanuel, that sign there for the nation was to let them know that God was with them. and, And it was a sign that what he said about the punishment that was coming for them would actually come true. Because the problem at that point with the nation of Israel is that they were being led by uh, people who did not believe in God, who did not trust in him, who were not following in him. And so in that context, that first fulfillment of that prophecy, Emmanuel, God with us, was going to represent something that was not going to be what they enjoyed or appreciated at all about God's presence that was happening there. And yet the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy, and so there's like the flip side of the coin that comes when it comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus becomes the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy, is that God is going to fulfill his love for us regardless of how we're thinking or how we're feeling or what's going on in our lives. That despite our sin, despite our unbelief, the life of Jesus is going to establish forever the opportunity for us to experience the ever-present love of God. 
regardless of where we're thinking or feeling or what's going on in our life, whatever circumstances happen, happening. The most important perspective that we gain from celebrating the birth of the Messiah is that God is with us and that he always was with us and that he always will be with us. In his greeting at the beginning of Revelation, John writes in verse 4, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And the reason that Jesus is referred to as Emmanuel is because he fulfills all of these and they have just important, life-changing, earth-shattering implications for how we think about, how we experience and share the presence of God in our own lives. So that first, that first one that John mentions in Revelation, that God is with us. The very, first thing, the very first thing that Mary hears in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, is when the angel comes and surprises her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The first thing that he mentions to her is, The Lord is with you. So before anything else, all the things that Mary was going to hear and she would have to experience the difficulty that she would have to go through as a young girl, uh, what she needs to, needed to know before all of those things, all of those difficult things that she would approach and have happen to her in her life, is that she needed to know that God is with her. And some of us are dealing with things in our life, and I know we're hurting, or things are just not ideal, and they're not the picture-perfect family Christmas that we're looking forward to uh, this, this year. Whatever it may be, uh, one of the things that we need to understand and why we celebrate what we do when it comes to Christmas is that the Lord is with us, and sometimes even in a more powerful way than we might think or expect. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, Praise to be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God literally comes alongside of us. That's, that's the word for comfort there. God comes alongside of us. Our God comes alongside of each of us. He is there to minister to us. He gives us the whole indwelling of the Holy Spirit for his presence to be ever present with us. And this is an amazing, incredible picture for us to hold on to, regardless of what is happening in our lives, that our God comes alongside of us and with us to comfort us in our times of trouble, that he's especially there especially present in those moments in our life. It's a truth that can change everything we do, a perspective that affects everything that we look at and that we observe and that we experience. And when we understand that the God of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God, that God is with you, it changes, it changes everything. When you're lost and don't know where to go, he's there with you as your God. When you're hurting and you feel alone, he is there with you as your friend. When you're in the middle of a trial, God is with you as your comforter. If you're sick, God is with you as your healer. Whenever you're weak, God is with you as your strength. And even in our sin, God is with us as our Savior. And not only is God with us, God has always been with us. God was with us. As you look back over your lifetime, and sometimes God is easier to see in the rearview rear mirror uh, than he is in the moment, you look over a series of events in your life, and, and maybe you've seen them, and maybe you've experienced that. One of the most powerful stories that illustrates this in the Old Testament in the Bible is the story of Joseph, not Mary's Joseph, a different one. And this story begins with Joseph thinking pretty highly of what is going to happen in his life. He has a couple dreams that seem really good, things that he's going to look forward to. So he shares it with his family, and his brothers look at him, and he thinks, that sounds awful. Let's get rid of him. And so they decide, hey, the uh, first, first thought is, hey, let's kill him. And then one of the brothers says, no, he's our brother. We should love him. Let's just sell him into slavery. And they said, all right, okay, yeah, sounds good. Let's do that one. 
So, so they do that, and Joseph gets sold into slavery, and then he's accused of something that he didn't ever do, because he lived his life with integrity, he's thrown into prison. And all these crazy things happen to him in his life, and you look at that, and look at it from a distance, and even from Joseph's perspective, and it'd be easy to say, where's God in all that? Like, how, how is he showing up? How is God with Joseph in, in this moment? Where is he? And you have to see the story, though, over the course of enti- his entire life to see how God was with him all along the way. You could say that the pit that he was thrown into became the pathway to the palace, that God ultimately wanted to have him be in position and in power and authority to be able to save his family from famine. He had amazing leadership in that position, and all came from situations in which we would look at and say, there's no way God was with him in those moments. And yet in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20 and 21, even while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. It's a repeated theme throughout all of Scripture, even in ways that we don't expect. God is with us. And as I look back on my life with the perspective that God was with me, I mean, I can't explain every situation I've ever been. I'm not intelligent enough to see all of the threads being connected that God can see, but I can appreciate the consistency of how relevant my life experiences have been to what I've been entrusted with in my life. And it's that perspective that helps us to see that, recognizing that God is with us and has been with us all along the way. The good, bad, and downright ugly have not overshadowed the fact that God's presence has been in my life. And as you look back over your lifetime with this perspective, maybe you'll see some of the threads that exist that show that God has been with you, even when we don't feel that in the moment. While we don't want to make the habit of getting stuck in the past with the knowledge that God was with us all along the way, we can often look to the past and make the connection between how the character and nature of God overcomes and leads to hope. Because finally, God has not only just been with us, uh, not only is he with us now, but he always will be with us. No matter what we go through, God will be with us. Some of us may not feel it now. The nation of Israel, they were looking for a new hope to come, and God sent it through his, Jesus, through his son Jesus. God is, was, and always will be with us. And that is the significance of the appearance of Jesus. He was the evidence of the ever-present love of God that we are all meant to experience. One of the things I want to encourage you to do maybe later on this week or maybe later this afternoon is read the end of Romans chapter 8. It's one of the more powerful passages that we can, we can believe in, have faith in. When Paul writes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, nothing. There, there, there isn't a thing there. In verse 39, he says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's current, past, and future. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You will never be alone. Christian, Nothing can separate you, not your fears, not your doubts, not your insecurities, not your theological questions, not the things you can't explain, not your brokenness, not your failures, not your mistakes, not sickness, not a divorce, not what someone else did to you, not broken dreams. All those things can make us feel distant from God, but he's not. He's with us. He always has been and he always will be. The real question is whether or not we're with him and whether or not we've adopted Emmanuel, the incarnation of Jesus and that belief and that faith and that trust and that hope into our own lives and how we think about what happens in our life and how we think about God. God is a relational God and what he wants is to be with us. 
He wants to know us. He wants us to know him, to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our soul, all of our mind. As John continues his greeting at the beginning of Revelation in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And not only is this an important truth for us to hold on to, for encouragement, um, for perspective when it comes to us being Christians and living out our faith in the world and sharing that with other, other people, the most powerful way that we experience the incarnation of Jesus, Emmanuel of Jesus, is how we share that same love that we experience from God with, with each other. I mean, the, the fact that we choose to be present with, with each other in a, in a way that's, that, that's different than the way anyone else, the, the way we think about the value of other people, the, the way that we know that we are created in the image of God. And so there's something more than just what we can get out of each other. There's something more than what just the other person, you know, provides or, or what they happen to be and, and, and whether or not, uh, you know, it fulfills our particular needs in the moment. We think of each other in such a different way. We think of other human beings in such of a different way because of the way that God thinks of us, the way that he values us, the way that he creates us, his character and his nature. And so one of the things that I, I just want to really encourage you and I to do this Christmas is that regardless of what, who you find yourself around and who you're going to visit and the people that, that, that you're surrounded by, is I, I just want to encourage you to be present with, with those people. Actually, actually hear what they have to say. Listen to them. See them. Look, look at them. Let them know that they are known, that they're cared for. I mean, whatever you can do to have some maybe specific family time where it's like, you know what, we're going to put our phones away, we're not going to do screen time, but we're actually going to be present with each other so that we can experience what that love looks like. Because everything else is a distraction to that. Like all the other things, all the other trappings, all the other trimmings that come with Christmas, the Advent season, I love them. They're amazing. We should use those to enjoy time with each other. But all of those are a distraction from what really matters, and that is God is with us, that he always has been and that he always will be. Jesus incarnate experienced everything we experienced. He went through what we go through. He knows us in such a way to allow us to know him. And we experience the love of God with us when we're present with others the way Jesus presented himself with us. And so I just want to encourage, may we be disciples of Jesus who are with him and with each other, who have been with him and each other, and who will be with him and each other. Let us be the type of people that, that people can look and how we interact with them and say, man, that, that person has been with me, they are with me, and they continue to be with me because of the love that they share with me because of who God is. Let me pray for us uh, as we consider that, as we are challenged by that. Um, this love experience is the most important piece to sharing a real family Christmas because that's what God calls us into with him together. Let, let's pray uh, this morning. God, there are uh, a lot of things, 
left to do as we uh, head toward Christmas. I'm sure there are presents that need to be wrapped, things that we're hoping coming on time, on shipping, maybe things that we're still waiting to run out the store for, food to prep, uh, travel plans to make, car time to deal with. God, in the midst of all that, we ask for reminders through your Holy Spirit that uh, you are with us. And because of that, uh, we can be with each other in a way that is unique, in a way that's life-changing. Because we see the perspective necessary to remove all the distractions, even when things aren't going well, even when they're going perfectly, um, that they draw us uh, to be focused more on you rather than on everything else. God, we praise you for Emmanuel. We thank you for loving us in, in such a way that doesn't just leave you distant and unconnected from us, but that you come and, and that you're right in the middle of all of it. God, we thank you for that love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.